0: On this edition of Larry the Golf Guy, we are really fortunate to be joined by Seth Waugh, who is CEO of the PGA of America, and obviously one of the most significant voices in the game um, in that position. Uh, we talk with Seth about uh, his journey from the world of finance, where he had a number of stops at places like Salmon Brothers and Merrill Lynch, To um, ultimately becoming CEO of Deutsche Bank Americas, uh, and his involvement with the PGA Tour in creating the Deutsche Bank Championship in Boston while he was CEO of Deutsche Bank Americas, and uh, ultimately his becoming the CEO of the PGA of America uh, five years ago in September 2018, and. It's been an active five years for Seth as CEO, and we we touch on um, some of his notable accomplishments, uh, including creating the Back to Golf program during COVID and overseeing the relocation expansion of PGA headquarters to Frisco, Texas, which is uh, an amazing facility with um, not only um, two golf courses, but um, lots of other Um, teaching facilities and other aspects of the game. Um, It's uh, quite a amazing 660 acre site that um, they've moved to in in Frisco. So all of that and more um, with Seth Waugh up next on this edition of Larry the Golf Guy. Well welcome to another edition of Larry the Golf Guy and we have A real special guest today, Seth Wah, who is CEO of the PGA of America. Um, Seth, thank you so much for making the time to speak with us today.
1: Well, I'm flattered to be asked, uh, Larry. I'm I'm always surprised that anybody wants to talk to me, much less listen to me. Oh, no,
0: for sure. So just to give people a little bit of context um, in terms of where you grew up, um, in Massachusetts, um, I know your dad... Jim was an English teacher and coach at the Groton School, so I think you grew up a few miles from there, and then you subsequently moved to Lawrenceville um, uh, School where your dad taught. But um, maybe chat with us briefly, kind of how you were first introduced to the game of golf.
1: Yeah, it. Um, you know, I grew up as the youngest of five boys. I just said my father was a teacher and a coach, so we played uh, we played everything. And um, you know, I was sort of football, basketball, baseball till I hurt my knee the first time um in eighth grade and then became a soccer player uh in the fall um lawrenceville had a 9 holder and uh my brothers we kind of grew up off campus on a little bit of a non-working farm and um my brothers would go to work in princeton because that was where you kind of could get work and sure. uh summer jobs and uh, I got a little bored being the only one at home. So I'd have him drop me off at Lawrenceville with a tennis racket, a basketball and um, an old set of golf clubs and uh, uh, had a few friends and we would kind of do every sport we could think of. And uh, always ended up sort of playing nine holes in our bare feet, um, you know, not having any idea what we were doing uh, and kind of, you know, ended up, um, ended up liking it a lot, um, got to the point where I was okay. Um, and Played, uh, went to Amherst College and played three sports there uh, until again my knees gave out and um, and then uh, they also had a nine holer and we would we would go fool around uh, there a bit um, and I you know when I graduated from college um, I I played a fair amount of tennis for the first kind of decade I was out um, until I blew out my shoulder playing over 30 baseball. You're getting a pattern here of, <laughs> of either, you know, overuse or, you know, or idiocy. But, um, uh, and, you know, suddenly I couldn't play tennis anymore at any kind of level and, and, uh, uh, sort of went to golf um, because it, um, I, it was the only thing I could figure out to continue to compete in. And, um, and uh, got, got a little better, played in a member guest with a friend of mine, my roommate from Amherst. And uh, we somehow, I actually birdied the 18th hole and it was a three-day you know, match play deal. And we, I birdied 18 to get us to extra holes. And the wheels really started to wobble. And um, I, uh, we got to the third hole. We he sort of have the first two holes. We got to the third hole. It's a part three. He missed the green. They both hit the green. He goes, I, I need your partner.
0: And I, you know, it
1: was probably 30 people watching at the time, it felt like 400, and right. I uh, unceremoniously shanked it into the woods. Oh, my! <laughs> so, uh, I uh i went back, we were renting a house, and I literally took every ball out of my bag, it was a five iron, and I hit every five iron I could into the ocean. And, um, wow. <laughs> I said, if I'm going to play this game, I got to get a little better, and that's when I went to my first lesson with uh professional Eddie Kelly from uh, uh, Garden City New York at the Cherry Valley Club and uh, awesome um, and so that's you know a long-winded way we used to play a little golf the, and I grew up on this kind of again non-working farm and we'd we'd play uh, to frisbees and things like that just for fun but uh, anyway I, I had a club in my hand for a while it sort of became a golfer more in my early 30s than than uh, than anything else
0: got it and just kind of to take people up to where you ultimately got more involved with the game when you ended up, you know, when you were eventually at Deutsche Bank and and the tournament in Boston, but just to sort of take people up to that. So you, you majored in economics and English. You went into finance (laughs) after Amherst. So you had a variety of positions. I think you you had stint at Brothers. You were at Merrill Lynch. Um, You were initially, I think at a hedge fund. I'm just sort of curious, what made you kind of go into, uh, finance. Uh, was that something you kind of just got appealed to you because of your economics at Amherst? or what was your sort of thinking on that?
1: Yeah, as uh, uh, you'll find with me, my every story has got a story. but when I was graduating from school, I had three jobs, two of which were coaching and teaching, one on the East Coast, actually at Lawrenceville. The other was at Sacramento country day in, uh, in California. Okay. And the third was, uh, was trading commodities in Minneapolis. So I kind of had the whole thing covered the whole country yeah, the and the whole uh, country. Yeah. Left side of the brain, the right side of the brain. <laughs> As you say. I was kind of an English major, which is what my father taught and, uh, and economics because I thought I should, I should, um, you know, from a practical standpoint, sort of the closest thing in, in liberal arts to finance. Uh, and um, I couldn't decide what to do, um, and uh, and I finally made the decision with the help of a, a girlfriend at the time, who was you know my phone kind of kept ringing in the in the <laughs> it was like a black dial phone back in the right. day, <laughs> um, and uh, and I wouldn't pick it up, and she said, well you have to answer that because we had no you know voicemail or anything else, right? Right. I said, well it's one of three people, and I don't want to talk to any of And, uh, and, uh, she said, what what are you wrestling with? And I said, well, I, um, you know, I I sort of explained it. And she said, well, look, you know, you're going to teach and coach at some point. So why don't you go to business first? uh, Because it's probably easier, you know, a, you don't know what it is like, because no one in your family's ever done it. And B, it's probably easier to go from, you know, business to teaching than from teaching to business. Um, and I took her advice and um, went to Minneapolis and traded commodities for mm. a couple of years. Liked mm-hmm. it. It was a hard business, but it was very fundamental. Um, yeah. You learned kind of what a bushel of weed is worth in Moscow um, while you're sitting in Minneapolis. And right. uh, really liked the action, liked the markets. Um, went back for an Amherst Williams game. And my roommate from, uh, from Amherst uh, had just joined Solomon Brothers. And he said, this is perfect for you. You need to come in They're interviewing for a training class. You need to come in on Monday and, and interview. I said, I got to go back to work. I live in Minneapolis. And He goes, right. because I'm telling you, you need to do this. And I, I ended up kind of calling in sick, borrowing my brother, a suit from my brother who lived in New York. Wow. Shoes that were like three sizes too big and went in and had an interview and walked into the trading floor. And it was like walking into Fenway or, you know, yeah, Yankee Stadium. Yeah. In those days, that was famous for the Brothers, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And I said, I got to get here. And so I had a good interview. They invited me back and I got the job. And, you know, I woke up 30 years later running a bank. So it was kind of, <laughs> it, it was, I'm an accidental banker, I guess is the way to think about
0: it. <laughs> uh, well, some pretty good stops along the way. Then you, get, you end up joining Deutsche Bank Americas in 2000. Um, you become CEO, which you're there for. Uh, in that position, I think for 10 years, but this is where it seems like you start to get more deeply into, um, you know, the, 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 the uh, golf, not just playing it, but you know, the tour and everything. So you, I think worked with the PGA tour while you're at Deutsche Bank to create the, of course, the Boston tournament, which had a great run for a long time. Um, I'm just sort of curious. So what led you to sort of create the tournament and, You know, what did you think you would achieve by it for Deutsche Bank and and how did it turn out in that regard?
1: Yeah, I'd give you uh, kind of two parallel paths that kind of led me to, I guess, where I am. One is that our oldest son, Clancy, um, who is now trying to play, is now playing professionally. He's on the the, uh, Sunshine Tour in South Africa to get to Europe and played at Wake Forest. He was a very precocious junior player. Um, He sort of found it. We lived on the back of a golf course, and I would go out and hit balls. And at age two, he wanted to come with me. Wow! Um, So he always had really good hand-eye. He was a lefty, and he he could always hit the ball, and he loved it. He was a good athlete. Is a good athlete. Um, And you know, we started playing holes. So we'd play this little four-hole loop behind our house, and I'd create these tees for him, and do it at late at night when no one was around, and late in the afternoon. Uh, And he got really good in a hurry. I mean, he broke 100 when he was five. So he was kind of a little bit of a freak um, in that way. So I started, you know, playing more golf because instead of taking me away from my family, it actually brought me to it. Right. Uh, And uh, that was part of it. And then as I was uh, at Deutsche Bank, um, you know, we were making a lot of progress. We had a goal to become a top five player in the U.S. Um, No foreign bank had ever done that.
0: Right,
1: uh, And, you know, we um, really, we started, well, we bought Bankers Trust and it was a bit of a shell of a bank, but there was enough kind of credibility there to hire people. And so we started building this thing. Um, and uh, and once, you know, four or five years into it, we, we thought we had something that uh, was worth kind of talking about and decided that, uh, you know, we needed to brand it in some way and, um, and um kind of ended up at golf because it shares the same values that that you know we're, our clients do the demographics were you know sort of spot on right um in terms of um you know who was playing it and why uh and um you know frankly no one watches opera on tv right so uh <laughs> so uh, and we didn't um, you know we didn't really want to sponsor individuals. We wanted to have an event around it. Um, and that led me to, um, uh, well, and, and then my view of on it from the beginning was look, if we're going to do this, we need an IRR right? like our shareholders need to get return right. on why we're investing in this. Um, yeah. and so, um, you know, we, it led me to, to IMG and, um, a guy named Alistair Johnson who ran it for a long time. He introduced me to Mark Steinberg and he, Mark is obviously Tiger's long-term agent. Right. Uh, And at the time, and, you know, uh, still to this day, really, he moved the needle in ways that, you know, uh, nobody else could. And so, um, we sort of were game theory on like, where is he going to play? Um, and how is that going to, you know, how often would he do it? And I I sort of had a principle that I really didn't want to rebrand somebody else's tournament because I thought if we went to Doral, it would always be Doral instead of of the Deutsche Bank. Um, So I kind of wanted something de novo, um, number one. And then I realized as I kind of dug into it that all these uh, events have charitable component and there's a foundation that's kind of the benefit. And I went to Mark and I said, well tiger has a foundation right and he goes yeah he does and i said well if it was the beneficiary of a tournament he'd probably play right and he goes he'd absolutely play right and so that's how we created it and we took a dead date, which was labor day um yeah took a little risk on that because it's holiday weekend um we invented the monday finish which turned out to be a great hall you know sort of hallmark to the whole thing right um and, you know, my view is that you kind of had these, you know, triple and quadruple dividends, right? Um, we, we got branding in a way that we, you know, wouldn't have otherwise got with a demographic that we cared about. We uh, got to entertain clients in a way that was extraordinary, particularly with the private, you know, the, uh, the, the pro-am, right. uh, if we could put somebody with Tiger or Phil or, you know, whomever. Um uh, and spend five hours with them on a golf course and probably the night before and probably, the, you know, a few drinks and a lunch afterwards that we would, you know, have a chance to create, you know, relationships um, that were otherwise hard to do. And they were all institutional clients who, if they wrote a big ticket, could actually pay for the whole thing. and you know, Right. Kind of- Trade, as you know, but given your background, yeah, and um, and then you know, we had the charitable component. Um, we raised, you know, kind of by the end of it, we were raising, I don't know, three million dollars a year or something for local charities and for the foundation, which was a really feel good sort of thing. And and then every year, the you know, the state would thank us for um, bringing you know, 60 to 80 million dollars worth of revenues that would otherwise not exist, right? Um, to the region. Boston was a great town. Obviously I had roots there. So, um, I made sure every time in any interview, I made sure they knew I was local no right. and what the question was. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and, and which, cause you're either a local or the enemy in Boston. And, um, we had a great run, as you said, I mean, we, uh, we had great, um, great champions and, and I think we, uh, we did a lot for the, for the, the bank on, on all those fronts with client relationships with, uh, uh, and with the branding part of it. Um, and so I think, you know, that's the value proposition of the game. I I talk a lot about it being the you know, the greatest engine for good on earth. Um, and, or one of them, Uh, it's a little pretentious to say the greatest, um, but you know, it's $3 billion a year in charity. It's every other sport borrows it to, to, uh, uh, to, you know, raise their, their their money. Um, it's everybody's second or third sport. Um, you know, you look at how obviously popular it is now with celebrities and and athletes. Um, and more importantly, it's just the time you spend with the people you want to spend with, how you kind of, um, you know, undress each other on a golf course, if you will. And and then the (laughs) values and the morals that all come with it. You know, my, my son played, you know, my oldest, as I said, played every sport. Right. So there was only one where he took his hat on off at the end of the thing and, yeah. and shook hands and looked the other guy in the eye, no matter if he shot eighty or seventy. And uh it's a it's a really special game. And so I you know, I'm lucky to be a part of it. It's a privilege to serve, frankly. Um well, but it you know, those parallel paths kind of got me there on the professional yeah. and then
0: um on the personal level. That makes sense. And um that's great. And there was, you know, and I, there were so many great tournaments, uh, you know, I, I still remember, you know, people talk about how Phil and Tiger didn't have a lot of head-to-head battles as much as people would have liked. But one of them was at that mm-hmm. tournament, which was, you know, the oh, red shirt and the blue shirt. That it was, <laughs> I, I still remember that like it was yesterday, but lots oh, of yeah. great, it great was, events. It, um, it, it sure. was
1: Ali <laughs> Frazier. I mean, it was, yeah. um, I walked in the ropes for a few and it was, they weren't. They, they weren't looking at anything other than the ball and the <laughs> hole. They were just, it was, it was game on. Uh, it was really cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was cool. I can imagine what it was like being there. It was cool just watching it even on TV, which is what I did. Let me just, before we sort of leave the tournament, I just, one of the stories that I heard you talk about relationships and stuff that I, I <coughs> want to ask you about, cause it's pretty neat. Very early on, I think it may have even been the first year 2003 a young Justin Rose. Um, you see him in a pro-am party and maybe just share, you know, with our listeners kind of that story, because it's amazing the, how that's evolved. And of course, the relationship that you've developed with him from that very first meeting.
1: Yeah. Well, th- uh, yeah, it's, he's a wonderful guy and the family's amazing. Um, I, uh, you know, I figured out early on that, um, you know i if i was if we were going to do this and there was going to be a return to the bank that i kind of needed to own it right like we were throwing a party and it was going to be the most expensive thing we did all year and and to do that you know if you're going to throw a party or a wedding you kind of need to own it right and right. so that meant owning you know the players that you know we spent time and i sort of figured out okay you know that who matters to get people to come to this thing Well, the wives matter um the caddies matter the agents matter so I made it my business to get to know kind of all those, um, people and, and, um, you know, had relationships with the press and, and didn't, you sure. know, myself on players, but certainly wanted to, you know, get to know them and the to extent that it, it made sense. So first year, uh, Jay Monahan, by the way, um, tour commissioner is our, yeah. our, uh, I hired him as our tournament director. Um, oh, wow. I don't and, think I knew uh, that.
0: That's interesting.
1: Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, um, and so anyway, he's, you know, we're trying to figure out, he goes, he calls me and he goes, well, we got to do the sponsors exemptions. And I go, okay, well, how does that work? And he goes, well, there's certain categories, but you can pick out of these and, you know, let's pick the most interesting people. And I said, well, will you help me? Let's, let's do it together. So we sat down and Justin's name came up because he just, you know, he he'd been the 19 year old at, at uh, Royal right. St. George and holding out and great story. Right. And then missed right. 23 straight cuts. And he right. applied for sponsors exemption. And I said, well, that sounds like somebody we should give a, you know, I really liked how he handled himself. That sounds like somebody we should uh, give a look to. And so we gave him an exemption. Uh, he, um, and so we go to the, the pro-am party, uh, which is at the governor's mansion uh, or the state house. Oh, and, okay. Uh, Yeah. In Boston. Yeah. And I give my little speech and whatever, and I come out and, you know, sort of mingling. And I look over at the like buffet line and the guy eating, you know, sort of shrimp cocktail, uh, is a very tall, very good looking young man. And I said, (laughs) I go, that, that looks like Justin Rose. And so I walked (laughs) over and I said, excuse me, are you Justin Rose? And he said, I am. And I said, well, thank you for coming, but what are you doing here? And he said, (laughs) you know, because, and I said, he said, well, um, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to get a sponsor's exemption, and um I thought I should come and thank somebody from Deutsche Bank. Wow. And I said, Well, are you staying in Boston? And he goes, No, I'm staying in Providence. And I said, So you have an hour and a half drive to get here in an hour and a half. And he goes, Yes, sir. And I said, Well, I'm Seth Law, I'm the CEO. You just met somebody from Deutsche Bank. Now go home. <laughs> 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 go win this thing. He finished uh he finished third. Um which got him into the next week. Adam Scott won, Justin finished third, uh, and never looked back. And that's how he kind of, you know, he got his card here instead of in Europe, um, through playing his way on. And, uh, we stayed in touch. We played in, um, uh, a few seminal pro members together. We've actually won it a few times. Yeah, you won it a few times. As people know, that's a big event.
0: The pros <laughs> love that. That's kind of like yeah. a little fifth major there or sixth yeah. major or whatever. That's a biggie.
1: <laughs> it's fun. And then I, uh, you know, they stayed with us during the Honda and during that and um, right. in Florida. And we just became very close. And so I, I have the great honor to be um, Charlotte's, uh, his, his daughter's uh, godfather. That's awesome. That's great. That's a a great
0: story. I I love that. Um, So you you finish your run at Deutsche Bank. At some point, I know you become an independent director on the PGA of America board. But then ultimately, in uh, just 2018, you become CEO, of course, your current position of the PGA of America. I'm really interested in kind of sort of how that came about. And you're a guy who spent your entire life up until then, professional life in the corporate world. Um, now you're sort of diving into what is really a different world, right? It's a not for profit, mission based, very different structure, 29, probably what, 29,000 members, something like that. I mean, I'm just sort of curious, How? what was your thinking to take the opportunity and kind of um, now that you've been in the seat now for, what, five years or so, um, how's it been and and what's it been like for you in that very different environment than what you had been in up till then?
1: yeah well the journey there um again I became kind of a golf guy because of deutsche Bank, right because right. i you know inserted my, whatever immersed myself in our uh, our event our championship um i i somewhere along the line met Pete of aqua who uh, was the pred- my predecessor here um he came and asked me to have dinner in New York and he said how do you You know, I've got a board, but then I also need, you know, some sort of business wisdom. And I described the advisory board that we put together uh, at Deutsche Bank uh, because I had kind of a regulatory board. And then I had a a group of ex-CEOs and some politicians that really helped me a lot and gave us credibility as we were trying to build our brand. Right, and he said that's a great idea. Will you a help me do that, and will you be my first, you know, member of that? And I said, yeah, of course I'll help you. So did that. um, At what, you know, after a couple of years, uh, it was a great group that he and uh, and I and a few others put together. And then uh, he asked me to join the uh, the 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 actual board. Um, The actual board, right? uh, uh, And so as an independent director that's a three-year term and i happily did that and um you know had a good experience and was kind of rolling off uh that fall uh pete got uh, an opportunity to go to nbc sports and right. um uh and i got a call from the then president of the pga um, of america who uh, paul levy who called and said um Hey, Pete's leaving to go to NBC. And I, I, I heard that through Pete, who would also called me. And I said, well, you know, the good news is Pete has elevated this thing to a point where you're going to get great candidates. I'm not worried about it. I'm happy for him. Uh, and, you know, do a search. And, and he goes, well, actually, we kind of have met and had um, and the com- committee has formed and met and has decided that you should be that guy. And uh, wow. this was on a Friday night. I was happily uh, a partner at Silver Lake. We were right, uh, launching right. a fund, which I was um, a major part of. Uh, uh, literally in the next ten days. Oh wow! And I said I kind of gulped and said, "Really?" And he goes, "Yeah." And I, and I said, "Well, can I think about it?" And he goes, "Yeah, I would think you have to." So I walked in. It was a Friday night. I walked into the kitchen at home, and my wife and son were in there, and they knew something had just happened and go, well, what's wrong? And I said, well, I don't think it's wrong. It might be right, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I got this strange call and, uh, and they both looked at me and he goes, well, you have to do that. I mean, how can you not? And I go, really? Um, and so I called my partners at Silver Lake and they said, look, we just want you to be happy. And um, obviously it's not competitive. And that's really cool. If you want to do it, we're totally supportive. And, we got to work through this fund closing and, you know, et cetera. But, um, uh, I continue to be a special advisor to them to this day. And, um, uh, and then I really thought about it and, and, um, I called a number of people, but I called one of them was Rob Manford and, yeah. uh, baseball sure. Commission baseball is a good yeah. friend. And, and I t- I walked him through it and he paused and he said, Seth, you know, there's not that many jobs in sports, you, we all love sports. There's not that many jobs in sports where you really can make a difference. Yeah. If you get offered one, you're probably supposed to take it. And it really struck home with me. And, yeah. I, and I sort of Good thought point. about my journey of, you know, being uh, a teacher and then sort of an accidental banker, as we talked about. And, um, and you know, this opportunity to give something back to this game that somehow has given me so much. I mean, I can't remember the last person I've you know met and really have a deep relationship with doesn't have golf either at the beginning or the middle or the end of right. it somehow um, you know the time you know with my son and my other, my other the rest of my family uh, I met my wife on a driving range um, <laughs> you know it, it it's uh, you know there's just it, all these you know tentacles and I yeah I really you know lay awake at night a little bit and just sort of said like I will never have a chance to impact more lives. Than in this role. And if we can make, you know, as you mentioned, we're the largest sports organization on earth. There's 29,000 members. If we can kind of make 29,000 lives better, we can make millions of lives better through the game. And 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 leave a, you know, lasting impression on on them and hopefully the game. Um, You know, I sort of started out as a mission based guy in the sense that I thought I was going to teach is what I grew up with. My parents were both teachers. Right. And so for me, it's back to the future a little bit. Kind of came full circle in a strange way. And then, you know, having the the uh, you know, we're we're that mission based um, organization. But we also have a big business. Right. Um, Right. Two of the waterfront properties in the men's game, the Ryder cup that's coming up and, right. and the Patriot championship <laughs> we have the KPMG, the, bar, the longest running senior event. Um, so, and, and then we touch it, you know, every moment of every day. Right. Um, and so the opportunity to, you know, combine those two, you know, I guess, skill sets, but more importantly, passions in me, uh, was irresistible. Um, I'm really—I've never had anything more fulfilling. Um, I would say that um, it's been a little different path than, than I thought, given COVID and um, and existential threats, uh, you know, from um, from uh, other organizations, other yes. organizations, and, <laughs> and um, but you know, God sort of puts you in a seat, at, you know, for reasons, I guess, and having dealt with. A number of kind of existential crises, including losing a building in 9/11 and right. um, financial crises and other things. Um, you know, I think we've navigated those really well, and and um, I feel I feel good about what we've accomplished. Uh, I feel like the the game has never been in better shape. Um, you know, some of that uh, certainly luck and and kind of world events, but I think we've certainly put our thumb on the scale to make that happen. We're, we're the ones who really reopened golf on a recreational uh, uh, basis um, through working with the CDC and, uh, and you know, Fauci um, back in, you know, during COVID days. And, um, and you know, the, the brand has never been stronger. I think our voice has never been kind of, you know, more heard. Um, and I do think that we should be uh, the most informed balanced voice in the game because we touch it you know every day we have the army that's out there um you know touching it um also really encouraged by you know the intentional moves we've we and in the industry have made to make the game look more like the rest of the world yeah um and i think that not only is the right thing to do it's a it's a mission critical thing to do because Last time I checked, half the world of are female. And um and you know, the next census in the US, I think we're gonna be over fifty percent of color. And so if we're not growing in those cohorts, you know, we don't have much of a growth story, right? And so um, Totally
0: agree.
1: We've um, you know, I feel I feel good about uh, about where it is. It's you know, it's it is somewhat different. Um there is um The currency is different. You know, you and I came from a very clear, you know, money was the currency. Uh, And here it's it's, you know, impact. And um, and therefore, um, you know, the good news about uh, golf is that there's an enormous passion around it. Uh, the bad news in in my job occasionally is that means there's an awful lot of opinions (laughs) and a lot (laughs) of passions around it. And, you know, you have to, you have to respect them all and you have to, you know, invite them all and then make the best decisions you can. Um, But the processes can be um, let's just say they take a little longer than what I was. I was going
0: to say, it's gotta be so different for you. I mean, now you've been doing it for a while in this job, but so different in terms of the speed and everything of decision making and it, the whole process is really different, right? Than what you're used, yeah. to, what you were used to up till that point in time.
1: No, that's right. And sometimes it's, you know, what the answer is now. You just have to get, you know, create the create the consensus around that, right? Um,
0: Absolutely. But- yeah, that's part of the job. And and you know, and and to your point about the touch points is so true. I mean, I think I saw you once say you know, that your members were like ministers with a different pulpit, um, and uh, which is really true. I mean, they're out there, 29,000, you know, touching the game every day. I did want to talk about or get to uh, chat with you about some of your accomplishments, which have been quite significant. Um, you mentioned the back to golf program during COVID, where you reached out to Fauci, and um, that's obviously a big one. Um, and the whole sport being golf, being, you know, the, the most ideals kind of socially distanced uh, activity, you know, just took off um, during um, COVID. I, I'm sort of curious on that. Then we'll get to Frisco because I want to talk about that too, but just to stick on the back to golf and COVID. I mean, do you? What do you sort of see with, with that tremendous growth we have? Do you see those folks now that we're kind of hopefully getting out of COVID? I don't know what this fall is going to be, but you know, sticking with the game or or because uh, we have such an opportunity with people have come back or even started during COVID, and be great to you know keep them.
1: Yeah, I am uh, really encouraged uh, across the board, and and you know, thanks for kind words, like you know, I have five kids and we were uh, living, you know, we, we kind of, the number of them were in Manhattan. We were still headquartered in Palm beach at the time. Right. And um, so we just kind of airlifted every, you know, all of them out of New York and the ones that were in college got sent home. And um, we also had two refugees, which was my goddaughter and uh, a niece who were also sort of trapped in Manhattan and with nowhere else to go. So, we, um we had nine people in our house um, wow. and it's a reasonable house but it was it was you know and <laughs> about it first three or four days are kind of fun and then you realize like we're about three days away from being reality TV right um, and <laughs> and so we created some rules so you know, it's like okay you're the odd team and we're the even team and that means we have yeah. up and yeah. do it all and you know, Friday nights. You're each person. We're gonna have a theme night, and you're gonna be responsible for you know arranging that dinner and movie night and a game night and you know conversation around the table. It was a beautiful time, um, as hard as it was. And you know, the society, you know, individually, it it kind of you know. But a, a few weeks into it, I realized like we gotta we gotta start doing something. Like people right. have to get outside. Like yeah. this is not healthy. Uh, And we were in Florida, which was, you know, pretty nice. So, um, and, and, you know, golf was shut down. And I started, I talked to our, uh, uh, our health advisors, which everybody had, and, um, you know, it was from the Clinton White House. And, uh, and I, he wasn't a golfer, but I said, look, um, you know, am I thinking about this wrong? Or can can golf be, uh, you know, a, a part of the solution as opposed to part of the problem, right? And, um, and he goes, God, that's a really good idea. Let me get you. Let me call Fauci. So he called Fauci and we had a conversation with him and he said, well, that makes sense. No other sport has thought of that or, you know, has reached out. And then we got, he said, let me get you the CDC. And then we created this back to golf program, which, um, you know, is, uh, was that sort of, uh, safe sex for golf, if you will. It was kind of like, we're going to start right. not right. touching anything. Right. And, and, you know, don't rake the bunkers and don't say hello to anybody and play with your family members. Um, because, you know, my concept was like, if I'm carrying my bag and you and I are on 200 acres, like that's pretty good, right? And, yes. And yes. you need both health and mental, you know, sort of part of it. And then we started going state by state and kind of, you know, mayor by mayor. And, you know, we, we sort of activated our, our network and that's kind of how it did. And then Jay, uh, you know, led back to, you know, on television. Right. Yep. Um, and that, you know, he was saying in May, like we're going to play in June and everybody's going, you're nuts. And he did it. And, he did. and we had our first, you know, we were the first thing that mattered because we had our, our fanless, um, championship, which Colin Markow won in, uh, Harding park. And, right. you know, so golf became the thing that you watched. It was the first live sport. You know, it was a couple charity things, so all of a sudden golf is kind of cool um, yeah. and it's the one thing, not only the one thing you can do, but then once you play it, as you well know, since you've played since you know, birth is, um, is it's pretty fun and oh, yeah. you get to spend yeah. time and all those negatives of it takes too much time and you don't see many people, you know, all those things were like suddenly positives. Right. And so um, golf for the first time in its history, it's had its ups and downs in my view is cool. And that is really important, I think, to the next generation um, because that's what drives it. Um, I can give you a lot of stats in terms of you know wh- you know how sustainable this is, but uh, you know record juniors, record first timers, uh, more off course golfers than there are on course, which at first you think like that's kind of weird, and you know is that a good thing? I think it is because I think it's the gateway drug to the game, right? So if you go to Top Golf or whatever you. Yeah. They're more likely to go play because it seems pretty fun. Uh, in off course golf, there are more uh, females than there are males, um, which is hugely encouraging. The two fastest growing cohorts in everything are, um, are, are females and people of color. Uh, we're now up to over 25, like 27 or 8% of juniors uh, are, are of color, and it's about 40% uh, are girls. So those are great stats, but the one that really gives me the most um, encouragement for the future, which is really what your question was, is it's now 48% of all golfers um, are under the age of 35. Wow. Now, that is a mind-boggling number. That is. When, I wouldn't have if guessed If I'd that. asked you that, yeah. I bet you would have said Oh, I would have been way off. Ago, yeah. You would have said 75% over 50 right. or something. Right. right, And so that's like, I, we got a lot of legs and, you know, uh, people have more time. They have more flexibility, um, which is one of the things you, you know, you didn't have. It used to be that you'd kind of lose, you know, high school golfers until they were 35 because they didn't have any disposable income or time. Right, right. And now people are playing it. And, um, and so I think it's really sticky, I guess what I'm saying. Now we're not taking that for granted. If you gave me, you know what's your biggest you know challenge um or you know or threat I would say keeping these people playing golf. Yeah and there's just so many different ways to consume it now um that I think we've got a really good chance. And and it's and I think of golf as kind of like food, right? Like, you know, okay <laughs> is every course gonna have you know music on the range and you can play without a shirt or whatever, you know, whatever, right? Um, but you know sometimes you want to put on a coat and tie and go to a you know French restaurant with your wife. And sometimes you want a burger and fries and your flip-flops with yeah. you know, your buddy. And so it's, you know, that's golf. Like, yeah, you can, every part, like if you put on your carpet tonight, you played golf that day. Right. So I, uh, I, I, we're encouraging it in every form we possibly can. And, um, and I think it's good for the game and yeah, good exactly. for our professional.
0: Absolutely. I, I do want to touch quickly on um, because it's been such a big part of your tenure, the relocation of the headquarters to Frisco. Um, <laughs> you were in, you know, North Palm Beach. You 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 were personally living there. And, and of course, the um PGA has been there for a very, very, very long time. Um and that's a big relocation, but um maybe just the facility, I haven't been there. I've talked to a number of people who have been to Frisco and it just sounds amazing. I mean, what is it? 660 acres. You've got not just the two golf courses, but all these kind of cool things, right? The, the ice house, the other, you know, the, the swing top golf. I mean, you know, it's, it's just lots of neat things, right? So, I mean, I'm curious, I'm curious your take on it, but um, it certainly sounds like it's not only been successful, but it's kind of a, a a a place where people can come and you know sort of partake in lots of different aspects without actually just playing eighteen holes, right?
1: Yeah, it's one of the few uh, instances where the reality might be better than the dream. Um, and <laughs> you know, we've um, and I'll, I'll walk you through why I think that's the case. I I uh, so I literally hadn't even started yet I'd sort of had a handshake but I was still a month away from my first day on the job because I still had to clean up some things at uh, Silver Lake yeah and um, uh, this decision was kind of upon us um, and I had been around it because um, as a board member I was asked to be the board member that kind of uh, had had you know sort of looking at it all um, and the reality is is we did an RFP we'd sort of outgrown our building. Where we were um, was kind of aging out. And uh, we did an RFP with the idea that we'd get paid to stay, like most places do, right? So Florida steps up and and gives you some incentives. And uh, we were very happy there. It's golf heaven, you know, all those good things. So we went to all the places you would think. We went to Charlotte. We went to, you know, Phoenix and Southern California and um, uh, Dallas and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, Atlanta. And, and you know there were a number of aggressive bids, including Florida, um, and but Dallas or Frisco really jumped off the page, um, and it jumped off the page a uh, because they were aggressive. You know they're very business forward, so they were right. you know, financially generous, um, and uh, and then secondly, and more importantly, as you said, they had 660 acres, right? That um, is town land that that uh, no one else could offer. Right. And for them, uh, it made a ton of sense because uh, they're, 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 you know, have designed themselves to be Sports Town USA. They have representation in every other major sport other than golf. They have hockey, p- football, basketball, um, and, uh, uh, and baseball. Um, and it was really, you know, started with the, the Cowboys building their practice facility here. It's kind of Texas is this miracle where you build a road. You um, add some water, maybe add a football field. And now you're the fastest growing town in the, in the country. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and so they, they kind of needed golf. There aren't a lot of, you know, uh, you know associations, certainly of our size that are, are looking to relocate. And so, uh, you know, we were a one time thing for them and they were a one time thing for us. So we began to dream about what it could be. Um, and then, you know, we, it, it was compelling, um, but there really, it was like big hat, no cattle. There wasn't any, um, you know, there wasn't any financing behind it. Um, yeah. And then we found uh, the Ami group, which is a rolling family who uh, also shared the dream We're a local Dallas family who yeah. loves golf and, and, you know, wanted to have a local legacy to a certain degree uh and Bob who's the patriarch there and I hit it off and um and we shook hands and so when you say like why would you move from Florida to Dallas um or you know greater Dallas it's um you know if somebody's going to give you 660 acres and is going to put you know a half a billion dollars into your brand I think you kind of just say thank you Right. And um, <laughs> and, you know, that's where we are. And and um, and then the vision that we had all along was it's going to be much more than our headquarters, much more than a golf course. It's going to be a destination. It's going to be a, a playground. It's going to be a laboratory. It's going to be a um, commercial hub. Um, and, you know, it sounds pretentious to call it the modern home, home of golf or the Silicon Valley of golf. But it's kind of what's happened, right? Um, as you said, there's there's everywhere to consume the game uh, that you can imagine is here. We have this, you know, three-acre uh, putting green that's free. Right. And, you know, right. and, and on Friday nights, you see every, you know, all sizes, shapes, ages there. The giant screen that's showing, you know, anything from Buzz Lightyear to the Cowboys to, you know, the Ryder Cup. Um, and, you know, you've got uh, F&B, you've got um you know uh, top golf you've got the ice hat you've you know it, it lighted par three and then two amazing golf courses built by gill and 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 Bo welling and um where we're going to hold everything that we do so um we're going to bring you know the big show here um every year and um and then our building you know it's I said to somebody, you know, it's sort of like other than the pyramids, like nobody's talking about, um, <laughs> you know, buildings other than the Apple headquarters and PGA of America's headquarters. <laughs> right, right. It's kind of ironic, right, um, that that we would be, you know, thought of um, and in as sort of, you know, a special place. And so, uh, it's a wonderful place to go to work. Um, you know, we have. It's you know, you, you got to come see it to to believe it. But we've got to three-story indoor, you know, uh, short game facility. We've got every toy and you can have, you know, in simulators and bays that open to the outside and the whole first floor is just golf. And then we tell our story, the history of the game, the history of the PGA of America. Um, And we, you know, it's, it's our home, right. And it's our home for all 29,000 members. They finally do all our teaching here as well. So, um, you know, the, there's finally a reason for our members to come see us in our home. Um, right. And so, and it's the middle of the country. And as I said, Texas is uh, is an amazing place. Like everybody who lives here can't imagine living anywhere else and they kind of want everybody on earth to move here. And it's just the most welcoming um, accommodating uh, you know, generous place I've ever seen. And it's really the miracle of this place is the people because it's, you know, it's not the summers. Are <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 are you commuting
0: back and forth? You still in North Palm Beach, or yeah?
1: I, well, I I work here. I have a home here, and then you know we've kind of kept. We have five children on the East Coast, so we, yeah. we do still in Florida. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. so but, yeah, I'm here. So I'm I'm talking to you from. I, your, I can I know today the you're there. In I can see
0: like, see you <laughs> at headquarters. Hey uh, Seth, this has been great. I know you've got I, I, you, you've you've got a tight schedule. I could talk to you forever. I've got lots of other things, but um, I want to sort of be mindful of your time. Um, so maybe I will just leave it as um, good luck in the Ryder Cup, one of your marquee properties in Rome. You know, it's an amazing event. Um, it has been. You know, I think we. Thank Jack uh, going back to adding the rest of Europe to GBNI mm-hmm. back in the eighties. And, you know, it's it's been nothing but tremendous events. And I know it's been 30 years since we've, uh, I think, if I think I'm right, since we've won on European soil. So um, hopefully they can bring it home in Rome.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing event. Um, I remember that, you know, literally my first day on the job was, uh, was Paris, you know, three years ago um and uh i'm going to blame that loss on Bavakwa. by the way for other masons he, <laughs> yeah he's, he's going to do
0: a, better at notre dame he, right than he did yeah, for yeah, that
1: exactly. <laughs> doing all i think so um the uh uh but i remember in the, as the you know the, the people are screaming the anthems are going to do the flyover and i'm just in awe and you realize like it's an amazing um gift that the the game has given us um and that we've given the game i suppose uh but also an awesome responsibility right because you you know you mentioned jack and and then the war on the shore and all these things that have increased this um you know increased the you know the importance the value the the passion around it um there's not many things that are tribal anymore right and and so it's kind of a combination of the olympics um, the Super Bowl and a Stones concert, right? Like, I mean, you know, it's just all of that wrapped up into one. Uh, and you know, we want to, in everything we do, we always want to leave the room better than we found it, right? And yeah. so, we're trying to polish the diamond and and make it better. And will always be our goal. Every every two years is to raise the bar and 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 be you know be better than we were before. Um, it's going to be an interesting year. I mean, two years ago in Whistling Straits, you would have said you know, okay, we're the UCLA Bruins. Like, this is right. going to be... A- they look eight. like it, right. <laughs> and now it's like, I don't know. I have, you know, the Europeans are probably favored, right? Um, I, I, you know, well, yeah,
0: with the way Victor has come on the last year, two, and Victor, you got to you know, put him and Rahm and Rory, that's an awful... Not couple. to mention Aberg, right? Yeah. Who
1: everybody's talking about is, right. you know, is... And so, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, I said to Zach, it... it uh Anybody can win a home game. But, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, it's, we've got a great team. They've got a great team. Um, you know, the home field advantage is a real thing um, totally in terms is. of, you yeah. know, fans, but also, you know, set up. Of course, and, the core setup
0: is people are yeah. right. I mean, you totally can tailor it. You yeah, know, absolutely. you saw that in France, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. But. <laughs> so, I you know, it'll be great. And uh, and I hope it's close. I hope we win, obviously, but I hope it's mostly I hope it's close and I hope the fans uh, enjoy it.
0: Uh, well, I'm, we're all really looking forward to it. Thank you again for uh, the time and um, best of luck, not only in the Ryder Cup, but continued success at the PGA. Things are going great and um, they're lucky to have you at the helm. Thank you so much for your time today.
1: Nice to uh, we've got a lot of work to do, but I'm proud of what we've done.
0: Absolutely. Talk to you. Keep doing
1: what you're doing too, Larry. It's okay. Talk to you and appreciate all your all you're doing for the game. Very
0: kind of you. I will. I love this game like you do. Thanks very much, Seth.
1: All the best.